think generally the Beatles songs are are just like such a distinct, unique feel that it's hard to pull off at karaoke. I will argue that anything off their first two albums is fun for karaoke when it was like garage rocky okay. and upbeat. But like once they became like serious, yeah, no, no. Yeah, I'm with Adam on that. And I'm, I'm also with Adam on his disastrous across the universe. It was almost as bad as my Mr. Jones. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to The Greatest Song Ever Sung Poorly, the podcast that takes karaoke exactly as seriously as it should be taken. I'm your risk taker, Adam Wainwright. And I am your adverse to risk voice of reason, Ed Kennard. Wow. Adverse to risk, Ed. I, you know what? If there's one thing I will say about you, it's that you always play it careful. Everything, every time we're out and about, all of your life decisions, careful, careful, careful. They call you careful Ed behind your back. I figured they would. That sounds very much like me. It does sound like you, Ed. But you know what? I just have to say something. I think more people should review the show because I've been looking at these recently and some of these are just beautiful, beautiful, like beautifully written things. I want to bring one to your attention, Ed. We got this one from Anxious Archfey. Archfey? Yeah, I'm going to say with Anxious Archfey on Apple Podcasts. And it, it warmed my heart. And brought a tear to my eye. And it went something like this. <laughs> I have to get into the, the, the character of the, the review, clearly. I've always been pretty chicken when it comes to karaoke. But after listening to an episode of this show, I always want to find my nearest karaoke bar and cue up my favorite song. The best podcasts make you feel as enthusiastic about a subject as the hosts feel. And this show delivers in spades. I can see why that would warm your heart. That warms my heart as well. Thank you, Anxious Archfey. Yeah, thank you so much. And so if, if you're not Southern, then I'm just doing it to mask your identity. And if you are Southern, I just wanted to represent your accent. There we go. Covered all the bases, right, Ed? That's all of them. All bases covered. Another note at the beginning here. We also plan on doing another karaoke advice episode later this year. So if you need some karaoke advice... Send us an email at sungpoorly at gmail.com to get your questions in. We will answer them. I, I swear, we're going we're gonna to read those questions. We're going to answer them. We're going to give you advice. And you're, you're hopefully going to listen. Isn't that, that's how podcasting works, right? I think that's how it works, yes. And uh, speaking of giving, Adam, you gave me a solid thrashing last episode with our karaoke trivia bullpen. So I'm hoping to, to pitch a shutout inning here today. Are you ready for what I'm about to do to you? Absolutely. I am 100% ready. Bring it on. Let's go. Okay, so here's what you're going to get. Five trivia questions based on the episode's topic with varying degrees of difficulty. Each question is worth one point, so the top score for any round is five points. If you get stuck, and I am hoping that you do, you can ask for one hint per game. Even if you get all the questions wrong, you can still win by answering the impossible question. Get that one right, and you get all five points. But remember, even if you save your hint, there are no hints for the impossible bonus. Here's how I'm feeling today. I'm gonna, I'm just going to lay it out on the line, all right? I feel like you've tried so hard to cultivate this shutout inning that you're going to get it until the impossible question, and I'm somehow going to guess that one correctly. That's how today is going to go. I don't think that's how it's going to go. I think you are at least going to get the first one. I certainly hope that you do. But today's episode is all about taking chances and taking risks. Later, we're going to be talking to Joey Held of the podcast, Good People, Cool Things. And a lot of these questions kind of relate to that, either good or cool or business, because he talks to, you know, entrepreneurs, musicians, other creative types, people who have taken risks and had them pay off. So with that said, Adam, can I quiz you? 
You can quiz me and let's go. Can I quiz you? 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 I'm gone. I really wanted the first verse of that there, Ed. That was a beautiful intro. I'm psyched to do this now, but I wanted you just to go into a full verse about quizzing me. I thought about writing one, but I figured that would just take way too long. Hey, I would love it. And if I'm loving it, I, I'm guessing our listeners would enjoy it too. Maybe, maybe we'll do a remastered remix of this episode. And then do karaoke to it at a bar. Oh, sounds man. fantastic. That sounds so meta. Is that what meta means? Is that it? Did I figure it out? I think you're fairly close to it. Now, are you are you ready? Because I want to hit you with these questions. And I've been ready since since like three minutes ago. So I guess so I'm still ready. Yeah. Question one. Music is a business, especially for mass market albums. I mean, you have A&R people, agents, producers, musicians, distributors, retail outlets. Heck, Goldman Sachs anticipates the value of the entire recording industry will be as high as 131 billion by the year 2030. But this trivia isn't about the industry. This trivia is about the music. What is industry rule 4080 and what musical artist said it? Oh man, I, I have no idea, Ed. Uh, give me a clue. I'm just gonna use the hint right away. It's a line from the song, Check the Rhyme. I do not know the song, Check the Rhyme, but I'm gonna say it's KRS-One and Boogie Down Productions? Well, no, I, to finish the line, it is record company people are shady, and I would have accepted either Q-Tip or A Tribe Called Quest. Uh, fair. I should have taken the hint from the, the, the theme right there rolling into. Yeah, I didn't know that one. Okay. But speaking of business, this is question two. Entrepreneurs and business owners put in a lot of time into their work. One survey from the New York Enterprise Report found that small business owners work twice as much as regular employees in terms of time. It also found that 33% of small business owners reported working more than 50 hours per week, and 25% said they work more than 60 hours per week. That's what I would call working hard for the money. What disco icon released She Works Hard for the Money in 1983 as she transitioned to a more mainstream pop sound. Man, Ed, I, I've had to start admitting that I'm objectively bad at music trivia, so this is just a joy for me, but I'm learning so much. So hard for the money. Oh, so hard for the money. Uh, uh, Joan Jett. No, that can't be it. That's not a disco. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm off there. I, you, no. know, I, I, no, you know what? I'm going to call that one, like, g give it another shot. I'm no, giving uh, you another yeah, shot. Yeah, uh, I, I immediately regretted it as it came out of my mouth. Uh, Paul Abdul. It was Donna Summer. Sure. I thought she was the one disco person you knew. I thought that was a good chance. No, for no. The only disco I really know is I know a little Earth, Wind and Fire and I know John Travolta in that movie. Okay, that's fair. I guess we're moving on to question three. Our guest that we talked to later in this episode, Joey Held, has a connection to a neat bit of karaoke media. Jules undercover karaoke funnier die video. In it, she goes undercover as an office worker named Karen, who is in town for a frozen foods convention and sings a Jewel song, blowing the crowd away to the point that they pulled her back for an encore. Later, she comes back as herself and sings another of her songs. Name one of the songs she sang as Karen and the song she sang as herself. And I have never seen that video and I haven't thought about Jewel or anything in a very long time. I, I can't, I can't remember what song. Did she sing Can't Fight the Moonlight? Was that her? I'm going to go with that. No, the answers in question, uh, for Karen, I would have accepted Who Will Save Your Soul or Foolish Games, as she sang both. And as Jewel, she sang You Were Meant For Me. Oh, okay. Okay, I haven't thought about Jewel in forever. You're digging deep right now. I really am. I feel like I've made it too easy on you in previous weeks, and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to step it up. That's, I, okay. I didn't think the score, so, okay. 
Question 4. We've already covered that music is a business, but so is basketball. And sometimes the two collide in interesting ways. For example, plenty of NBA stars have also released records. Notable among them is Shaquille O'Neal, whose debut album, Shaq Diesel, peaked at number 25 on the Billboard Top 200 and was certified platinum by the RIAA. The lead-off single, What's Up Doc, Can We Rock?, was a collaboration between O'Neal and a group who he called one of his favorite groups in interviews, causing the trio to reach out to him and get the ball rolling on creating that track. Named the Brooklyn hip-hop group, signed to Jive Records, who provided O'Neal with the assist. If it's the Brooklyn hip-hop group, it has to be the Beastie Boys. It is not. It's Fooshnickens. I don't know who Fooshnickens is, Ed. What kind of shit is that? Hold on. Can we discuss some shit for a second right now? Yes. Because... You could have asked me questions about Shaquille O'Neal. You could have named me to ask him one of his albums, which is Shaq Fu to Return. Like, I've listened to that shit. You could have asked me about Curtis Blow's basketball, like, and I would have been right there with you. Instead, you find Foo Shickens and expect me to know that shit? I honestly would have thought that I would have introduced you to Foo Shickens by now, given no my era of uh, no. hip-hop listening. I haven't done an insignificant amount of hip-hop listening, and I have no idea who that is. Back to our upcoming guest once again for a minute. In addition to being a karaoke enthusiast and podcaster, Joey Held is also an author, and his collection of short stories, Kind But Kind of Weird, is available now. Not surprisingly, people who write songs also write other things. Back in his undergraduate days at Syracuse University, this frontman for the Velvet Underground founded The Lonely Woman Quarterly, a student periodical that featured some of his poetry and fiction. In fact, The Gift, the second track on the Velvet Underground album White Light, White Heat, is literally a story that he wrote that is set to music. Name this iconic frontman who later went on to have a solo career as well. Do you remember finding like ways to like poke at like the things that I just missed on my spectrum of musical knowledge. I'm not a music expert by any means, but I listen to a good amount of music across genres. I've covered the spectrum. I'm working through the Rolling Stone Top 500 right now. I have no fucking idea. I can't even venture a guess. I'm aware of the Velvet Underground. I'm sure I've heard of their songs. I've never made a point to know anything more about them other than the fact that they're the Velvet Underground. Can I give you a bonus hint? No, that's not the rules. It is Lou Reed, who... A Tribe Called Quest sampled in Can I Kick It, which was our parody leadoff for this segment. That's fair. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, let's, let's see if the impossible bonus hits for you. Our guest's podcast is called Good People, Cool Things. What defines a good person and what defines a cool thing? While the first is somewhat more philosophical, the second has ways to quantify it. I don't know enough about William Thompson, first Baron Kelvin, to know if he was a good person or not. But I do know that he was a British mathematician, mathematical physicist, and engineer, born in 1824. He published a paper in 1848 titled, On an Absolute Thermometric Scale, in which he proposed an absolute scale based on the following parameters. The melting point of water is zero degrees. The boiling point of water is 100 degrees. The arbitrary points which coincide on the two scales are 0 degrees and 100 degrees. We now call this the Kelvin scale, which measures temperature just as Fahrenheit and Celsius do, and is most often used in scientific applications. 1 degree Kelvin is the approximate temperature of the coldest known natural environment in the universe. It's located approximately 5,000 light years away from Earth. What is this the coolest thing in the universe called? Um, it's the Calvin Supernova, Ed. Unfortunately, it is not. It's the Boomerang Nebula. Ah, Nebula. God, that was my second guess, clearly. Well, you did it, Ed. You shut me out. I think proud of yourself. I think I overcorrected. I, I promise to get more back in line next time. <laughs> yeah, we need to, we need to like, because we can ask, we can, this could just escalate like our, a good, bad karaoke night. Shut shutouts for the rest of the season. Shutouts for the rest of the season. Just impossibly difficult questions. Now we'll get back on track. We're gonna. I, I'm gonna. I'm up next. I'm gonna try to, you know, be like I am and merciful, and you know, give you questions that maybe you can answer. Probably can answer some of them. 
Although I will continue to say that last week I may have been hard on you, but you did miss the Nas Jay-Z beef questions. I so absolutely did. And that is a, going to be a point of shame for me for as long as I can remember that. Don't carry it with you too long. You took a chance. You took a risk. You took a guess. It was a bad one. You're going to regret it, but you did it. And that's important. That's the theme of our episode today. That is the theme of our episode today, Adam. It's something that we haven't really covered yet. Oh, damn, Ed. What does that even mean? Everyone takes a chance when they get up to sing a karaoke song. You might do it well. You might do it poorly. The crowd might love it. The crowd might hate it. But there's always an element of chance, which means there's always an element of risk. Adam, I'm personally curious. What's a karaoke risk that you took that paid off? I don't know. I think it was memorizing Young MC. And taking a chance on learning something that was a little outside the spectrum it was a track that you liked a lot. I think I heard it for the first time with you, uh, probably at a karaoke night. I was attracted to it. So I, I spent time, you know, you, like back when I would drive a lot, I used to sit there and listen to tracks I liked in the car and I learned them so I could bust them out of karaoke and have like a, a foundation for some things. And I, I learned Bust a Move. It was kind of outside my spectrum of what I've been doing at that point. And you know, I, I stepped in, did it for the first time and, and just absolutely crushed it. And it plays so well in a bar. It, it's it's one of my go to's. It, it's one of my karaoke. You can sing one song and shut a place down type of things. And it's traveled well. And it was all because I took a risk to step outside my comfort zone as far as the genres that I was used to, um, something that I was comfortable with. And it's something I still carry with me today. So it, it worked out and I'm pretty pretty happy with it. I can't wait to get back to busting a move sometime soon. Uh, I think it's only fair that I ask you, Ed, what's a, what's a risk that you've, a karaoke risk you've taken? Well, Adam, you know that my entire thing for karaoke is about risk and taking chances, which is really easy to do when you're really not the best singer in the room or close to it. This past weekend at the time of recording, my friend Jamie came out with some of her friends to karaoke and her friends asked me if I could do the Eminem part to the Nicki Minaj song, Roman. I don't know that one, Ed. And neither do I. But once again, I'm like, yes, I will do a song I've never heard before. That's absolutely fine. Did I crush it? No. Did I get close enough to surprise everyone? Yeah. So that was a risk that paid off. It was a lot of fun. I was out of breath at the end. With reading the screen, I knew to, you know, skip the other F word that I won't say at karaoke, but, mm -hmm. and I didn't realize that was in the song. I might not have agreed to do it if it, if it, if I knew that, but I mean, just, you know, breezed over it and kept going and it, it was a lot of fun. I still haven't actually listened to the song itself yet, which I probably should. <laughs> nah, nah, you should just live with the memory of whatever's in your head now. Uh, that can be the song to you. You know, now it's just the version, the bad version that you sang of it is now just the thing. But I love that, Ed. I love, I love when we get up there and we get people to have us take chances and take risks. But I, I also know um, they're not always positive. Oh, God, no. No, they're, they're not. And I'm going to let you kick this one off. Tell the people a karaoke risk that you took that uh, didn't pay off. Well, we know that I'm a big fan of season two's opening guest, Frank Turner. Oh, yeah. I bought some Frank Turner karaoke tracks about, I don't know, two or three years ago. And, like, I love the music. I, I really do. There were two problems with doing it at this bar out here in western Pennsylvania. Same bar, oddly enough. No one there knew what I was singing, which is always a risk at karaoke. If you don't really crush something that nobody has heard before, it doesn't often go over well. The other thing is his singing voice is a lot higher than mine, and I had drank enough that night that in my head I'm like yeah I can I can sing in that range and I absolutely can not as you well know so I sounded like a squeaky injured cat singing a song that no one there really knew and it was a tough three and a half minutes I I don't typically feel shame at karaoke that's about as close as I've gotten in a long time what about you yikes Yikes, said. I'm trying to think of a specific instance, but it's a generality. I mean, a lot of times with risks, especially karaoke, it, it's it's with songs that you 
part of you just you love the song you love everything about it you sing it in your car and then you step on stage you're like oh no this is going to be any kind of problem like i'm going to nail this song i know it by heart and then you get on stage and realize oh no not only can i not sing this song but nobody cares about this song like it's like a dual layer i feel like it's me trying to sing phantom of the opera i, I feel like i tried to do the music of the night at some point i know you think you did this pretty well ed I think I did it better than I thought I ever could. I don't think I did That's it well. That's fair. But I, I feel like I've tried singing like the Phantom of the Opera before. And it just doesn't play well in the bar most of the time. Uh, unless you can absolutely crush it, which I absolutely can't. There is one specific instance. One time I tried and I, a song that I knew was out of my range, but somebody talked to me into trying it. So I did, I did my Adele and somebody walked up and said, could you sing Josh Groban for me? Can you sing Josh Groban? And I said, no, I can't sing Josh Groban. And they're like, no, I just heard you do that. You know, like you can totally do Josh Groban. So I, I signed up and I decided I'm going to try You Raise Me Up by uh, Josh Groban. And guess what? Like for the first 50% of that song, I can totally hang. I'm like, okay, this is like, I have the vibrato and the like depth of my voice to do this. And then the last 50% of the song was a fucking mess because josh groban sings like an angel he does so i took the risk it did not pay off it wasn't a song that like really resonated in the bar it kind of killed the mood it was just bad i i can see where that song would be a mood killer that's like for 50 year old sad ladies who want to feel something i think i think that's the target hey, market hey, for 50 year old sad ladies should feel something ed come on Oh, they absolutely should, but that might not be the vibe for your average karaoke night. You're not wrong, unless we're at the Golden Pheasant. I will say that out here in Pittsburgh, and I missed it because I was afraid of the weather, they had an event, and I, I think they're going to have it again. They took a risk doing sad karaoke night, where you have to sing sad songs, you can't sing them ironically, you have to be in your feelings. And I think that's just such a neat, risky idea for an event. Because, like, you and I will talk about this, and we've talked about it on the show before. People tend to prefer a, like, happy party atmosphere at karaoke. Having an entire night devoted to misery in song, I just love that idea. I feel like that would be really cathartic in a way. Like, if you go there knowing that it's going to be sad, and everybody's going to be singing sad songs, be in their feelings, and something you're prepared for when you walk in for the night, I think it's a really great idea. I think that's yeah. cool. I actually really like that idea, though. Yeah. That's very cool. I like an official theme night. I do too. I like a theme night too. And I feel like that's a great one. Yeah. Like a good cathartic one. It's a risk that paid off. It is a risk that we assume paid off, hopefully paid off for. We, we love and support any karaoke nights that take risks. And um, all the proceeds benefited Rain, the uh, domestic violence support charity. Oh man, that's, that is awesome. Yeah. We should throw the link into description for this week's episode. So if people want to continue the good feelings towards rain, they can make a donation. I love that idea. Yeah. So get out there. And if you want to continue good feelings and take a risk and support this risk taken by this karaoke night, make a donation to rain. You'll find the information in our data and the podcast where you find it on the spaces. I just said a lot of words right there, Ed, because I like stepping outside my comfort zone. You know what I'm saying? I think I do know what you're saying, Adam. So how how have you stepped outside of your comfort zone with karaoke? Oh, so many ways. Ed, so many ways. I used to live in my comfort zone. I used to be like, hey, Johnny Cash, cool. I can sing that. What, you want me to sing this other deep voice country artist? Yeah, I could probably learn that. Oh, you want me to sing this random duet with you? Sure. Because, you know, I who can't sing Kid Rock? You know what I'm saying? And the answer to that is like apparently a hundred percent of people in Western Pennsylvania, by the way. Um, but I used to, you know, settle into those things and then, you know, you start expanding and stepping outside my comfort zone was like bust a move. It was starting to do hip hop with you. It was blindly walking up and singing karaoke songs. It was whoring myself for drinks at a karaoke night, which I know we've told the story about us like saying you buy us a drink, we'll sing any song you want at karaoke with those people not knowing that we would do that anyway if they just ask so i feel like i've done it in a lot of ways and in a way just kind of deepen my love for karaoke it deepen my appreciation for the people that host karaoke it, it contributed and helped round me out a little bit as a singer and as just a, a karaoke enthusiast honestly i feel pretty good about that comfort zone description ed what do you think what about you 
tell me, and I know you have a very large comfort zone and a very small comfort zone at the same time. It's like a very intricately woven thing. Tell me about it. Tell me about your karaoke comfort zone and how you escaped it. Karaoke itself was me getting out of my comfort zone. I don't remember if you realize how nervous I was when we first started going regularly, how I would only do things like Just a Friend by Biz Marquee because I knew I could do the rap part, and that's pretty much what my singing voice sounded like at the time, too. I am frighteningly confident in pretty much every social situation. At the same time, I did fear, to some extent, looking like an asshole, especially when compared to much more naturally talented singers like you and the other people that we knew at the time. And karaoke really helped me get over that. Like, I've never been shy about speaking in public. I've never been shy about being in front of people. But karaoke did, to some degree, loosen me up in that. And so karaoke itself was a risk. And then all the games that you and I play, I mean, if you would have asked me 15 years ago, would I sing songs I had never heard before at karaoke? I would have looked at you like you had some kind of horrible brain injury that was impacting your judgment. Like, like, no, that's ridiculous. I would never do that. And now it's my favorite thing to do because mm -hmm. it's the only way that I kind of get that positive, nervous energy and adrenaline like we did when we first started doing it. It amps up the thrill of doing it to be like, yeah, no, I'll, I'll do that song. No, I've never heard it. No, I don't need to go outside and listen to it. I'll figure it out. So it really, it, it got me out of my comfort zone. It expanded my comfort zone. And now I'm horribly obnoxious in how far I let my comfort zone extend. Yeah. It, the funny part is, though, I feel like with that, it's even still expanding the comfort zone and exploring new avenues of doing it. And we're still trying new things and growing and taking these risks and these chances i mean every time you step into a new place and we do the silly shit that we do that's taking a chance and i feel like that will just never go away with karaoke because there's always gonna be a new place there's always gonna be a new host we need to play some respect and i know you did a little bit of homework here we're gonna talk briefly about the risk of being a karaoke entrepreneur I think a lot of people know that they show up on their bar on their favorite night. They spin the tracks. They keep the night going. We've talked about the importance of the KJ. We've talked about it at length, extensively, the ins and outs of a karaoke night. But what people don't think about is the chance that person takes to even do what they're doing. Ed, you talked to our good friend, friend of the show, Christopher Price. Tell us a little bit about the startup costs for a karaoke entrepreneur. So I reached out to Chris because I knew he was somebody who would know some of these answers, as he's a very technical guy when it comes to things. Think about all the things that go into starting a mobile karaoke business. First up, you need speakers. You need something that will sound good and last a while. So you're looking no lower than 400 per speaker. Or if you're looking for like a more high-end thing, you're looking at about 800 to 1,000 per speaker, and you need more than one speaker to run a karaoke night. In a large room, you need a subwoofer. So add another 400 for a less expensive one or as high as almost two grand for a really, really good one. No matter what, you'll need wired mics because you need something that can take a beating and keep on working. Cheap ones are about $25 a pop, but they'll often break within the first year, maybe even the first show. Good ones go for 300 for a set of three. If you want to be fancy and provide wireless, then you have to go kind of mid-grade because you don't want something too expensive that somebody might break and you don't want to go super low end so it's really crappy. And then you're looking at about 400 a pop for that. You'll obviously need a mixing board that can handle multiple singers plus your music tracks. So somewhere between an 8 to 12 channel board. Looking at about $300 there. Stands for your speakers, the cables that connect everything, the computer itself that runs the program because by and large people are not using CDs or laser discs anymore. There you're looking 700 to two grand. The program itself, 20 bucks or a $200 one-time fee. And then don't forget the music. I know there's a lot of DJs out there who pirate everything, but you're at your safest with a subscription to one of the companies or buying a back catalog. You can't really put a number on that. It depends on which way you want to go and how much you're willing to spend with it. But it is your biggest 
ongoing running expense because people are going to want new songs as new songs come out. If you really work the angles, you can probably start for about $6,000, which to some people might not seem like a lot. To some people, that might be a very high barrier to entry. But think about this. Currently, nationwide, the average going rate for a KJ is about $200 a night. Now, that's an average, and it depends on a lot of factors. A host just starting out with one show a week, if they were making that rate, and most likely they're making lower when they're just starting out, if they were making $200 a week with one weekly show, they wouldn't get their initial investment back until week 30. So that is more than half a year. So a lot does go into running a successful karaoke business. And if that's a risk you want to take, we know people that you can reach out to. I believe that we know somebody who's developing a how to start your own mobile karaoke business course. Ooh, like a masterclass? Like a masterclass. Yeah, that's so cool. It's wild thinking about the startup costs of these things. And remember, like, we're talking once a week, but they still need to get booked. And getting booked, depending on the area you're in, can be damn near impossible. So a lot of your karaoke DJs are working other jobs during the day. If they're not, then they've probably been around for a very long time. It's They're all doing it out of love, love of karaoke, love of the night, love of music. And you should just support them. This is why, like, I... This is why we'll continue to advocate on behalf of KJs to not treat them like dicks and to tip them at the end of the night. And if you see somebody treating them like a dick, step it. I'm going to put a cap on it. I'm going to say we've covered it from all angles. You shut me out on trivia. I'm going to put a cap on this and say we introduce an entrepreneur, author, podcaster, all the things. He's the very definition of taking a chance and taking a risk. So let's uh, cue the guitar and talk to today's guest. Today's guest reached out to us because of his deep love of karaoke, a love he has carried from all the way back in his high school days. That love took him all over, from hosting karaoke to even singing before a WNBA game. On top of that, he's the guy behind the podcast, Good People, Cool Things, where he talks to artists, entrepreneurs, and all sorts of people about their work and their passions. And he has a book of short stories out. We're not really even sure the guy has time to sleep for as busy and productive as he is. Joey Held, welcome to The Greatest Song Ever Sung Poorly. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. Coming off a night of poor sleep, I think that was a fitting intro. I sometimes don't find as much time as I probably need to. I don't think any of us do. But again, thanks for coming on, for reaching out. We're always very excited to talk to a karaoke person about their love of karaoke. So where is your karaoke origin story? Where, where does that start? Because it's something you can just fall into, or it's something that you directly go to just out of a gut feeling. Where did you start? The very first time I can remember doing karaoke was at a Relay for Life event, which if you're familiar is a, you know, a cancer walk. Someone on your team's got to be walking the whole night, but in between they had karaoke. And a friend of mine, I'll give him a shout out. His name's Mike. So very, you know, basic name. So one of 12 Mikes I know will probably give themselves a pat on the back. But we did uh, a couple different songs. I honestly don't remember what our duet was. I know he was really excited about it. The first song I remember doing was Head on Collision by Newfound Glory. How's that for a deep karaoke track? Never done it since, but it was a newish song at the time. So, and you know, that was a big, big genre of music, the pop punk there. So did it, loved it. I ended up being requested as a backup for someone else doing it. So I was like, all right, I think we, I think we got something going here and just took off ever since. That was back in 2005, I believe. So closing in on two decades of karaoke madness. That's a, it's a two like decades of greatness. And then it's such an interesting way. I wonder how many people got there, started a relay for life doing karaoke. Cause that's one of my earliest karaoke memories too, <laughs> is singing Usher. I did the ludicrous part of Usher's yeah at a relay for life for a friend. And that's one of my earliest karaoke memories. Relay for life, such a great event for so many reasons. And the start of karaoke origin stories is just one of the many, many beautiful things about that event. <laughs> so something that Ed told me that I was very interested to learn is that you've kept a playlist of every karaoke song you've ever done. Is this correct? This is correct. Yes. How long is this playlist? I did a poor job of doing my homework. I have a Google spreadsheet as my backup. 
and then a Spotify playlist that has all the songs. But the last couple of times I've gone karaoke, I haven't made the changeover yet. So currently it's at 561 songs, but I think it's probably closer, closer to 600. I'm going to, I'm going to throw it out there. That is wild. So Ed hasn't kept track and I kept track for a while. So I also had a playlist that I was going to like, I was just curious about this because mine was at like 150 and I know I'm well, well short of that number, but almost 600 songs. That's the versatility you show in just everything. I think that karaoke, that playlist just has to be great. I mean, it's great, but it's got a lot of duds in there, too. I used to host karaoke when I lived in L.A., and we started at 7 p.m., which I, I feel like is kind of early for karaoke bars, particularly in the middle of the week. It did karaoke 365 days a year and a Tuesday at like 830 when there's one person in the bar and you just got to keep it going. There's a lot of songs where I'm like, I wonder how this sounds at karaoke. Often it was not great, but. I mean, it's the bartenders and one patron listening, so it's not too bad. <laughs> I tried to do the math because after we got into this, I made a commitment to sing one song I've never sang before at every karaoke night I've done. So I think I'm in the same range as you, probably not as successfully because I've done some real off the wall things, including songs I had never heard before to keep oh, wow. that trend going. <laughs> so <laughs> we also, the three of us share the same goal of hitting up a karaoke night in all 50 states. Which ones have you hit already? Because you're making good progress. Yes, I still have quite a ways to go. I have knocked out. I was going to try and do this in chronological order, but I don't know how well that would go. So I'll just try and go like east to west, I guess. I, mm -hmm. I've done Florida, New York, Louisiana. I was about to say New Orleans. That's not a state. Uh, Louisiana, Texas, Illinois, Ohio, Colorado. Nope, I definitely skipped Tennessee. We'll go back back east a little bit. Uh, and then California. And I know I'm missing another one because there's 10, but why can I get the 10th one that's in there? Uh, it's some some state more on the east. So we'll we'll vaguely say, uh, we'll say North Carolina. And I'm going to throw in Nevada because I'm going there in May for the first time ever. And I'm going to make sure I do karaoke while I'm out there. So how about y'all? What have you hit up? For me, it has been New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia, Kentucky, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Texas, Oregon. Love it. That's yeah, that's a good, that's a pretty, I didn't realize your list was that extensive, Ed. Like you've traveled more than I give you credit for, I think. I've hit up, I think, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York, Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Indiana, Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi. I don't think I got it in Texas. I tried in California. This is starting to sound like an Animaniac song. It is. It's like we could turn it into one real easily. But what we're trying to say is like you've, you've been everywhere. It's kind of incredible. And you're bound to have some great stories if you do it that much. So it got back to us that you met someone once at karaoke when you did an obscure song of theirs. So who was it and what was the song? This is cheating a little bit because they didn't have the actual song at karaoke. But back when I was hosting, I, I would play songs in between. And this was 2011, but I have my old iPod, I, the, the like OG, you know, 32 gigs, delightful. And a guy came in and I was like, that guy looks super familiar. And he has a very, very distinctive face. It's Mickey Rourke. Not, not Mickey Rourke, Jesus. Mickey Rourke does have a... Mickey Park, I'm sorry, from the show Together, played by Alex Solowitz, who's done a handful of other things, but that was where I recognized him from. So I played the Together song, which is a boy band parody that was on MTV back in like 2001. And he came up to me and... Are we I'm, doing I'm, trying some calculus walk, there? I'm trying to yeah. remember that you plus me equals us. You yes. plus me equals us. I know my calculus. Yes. And so I played this song. My favorite song of theirs is the hardest part of breaking up is getting back your stuff. And so I played that as an in-between song after he sang his song. And I just see him at the bar. He just stops. And then he turns around and his, his face is just like in, in shock. And he came up later. He's like, how did you have that song? And I said, my sister had your CD. Like it was, it was great. And he was just so excited. I, uh, and, and did a few other songs that night. We did a duet later to boys to men. It was delightful. You also have a connection to my favorite karaoke video of all time. You <laughs> used to host karaoke at the place. Jewel did her undercover karaoke thing for funny or die. Did you see some of your regulars in the video? Were you in the video? Yes. 
I am not in the video. This was, uh, I believe this happened like very shortly before I moved to Los Angeles. And so I, I did not see myself because I wasn't there, but I would say about 75% of the people in that video, I brought up onto the stage at some point to, to very mixed results. I would say a few of them had, you know, one or two classics that they'd always sing, but all of them were characters and I'm glad they all got featured because they were just, uh, I don't know if delight's the right word. I uh, sometimes they were a little, little bit of a handful, but definitely I uh, made for memorable nights for sure. You're in Austin now. We're hearing that it's a great karaoke city. Sell us on it. Why should Ed and I add to our list of places that we want to visit the Austin karaoke scene? What makes it special? Well, you've got a nice mix of spots that are private room, if that's more your jam, or public, where you get up on a stage, people sing. I mean, it's in the South, so already the friendliness is, is very nice there. Austin, also the only place I've seen, this was at the Bar Egos, two people dancing to a song in their chairs. They were doing it like a two-step type of thing where you're like spinning each other, but fully seated. And I thought, that's something I've never seen before. I don't know how you can spin someone while you're in a chair. They were pulling it off. It was very impressive. And I've just always had, like, it's a very inclusive environment, very welcoming, which I know karaoke is supposed to be 100% of the time. I found that's not always the case, um, but it's just a nice, you know, nice mix of, of good stuff. And you can go get a taco afterwards. You can go get some barbecue. I would recommend after instead of before, or else you'll be very heavy on the stage. But, uh, you, you know, you do whatever feels right. <laughs> So you've been on both sides. You've you've hosted, you've done karaoke, you've done karaoke all over in some strange venues, in some commonplace venues. As somebody who has done that much hosting and singing, do you have any big unified theory of karaoke or a philosophy on it or anything like that? I know I just referenced sitting down as, as being something I enjoyed seeing and the dancing, but on the stage, unless you physically cannot stand up, stand up, act like you're enjoying things. Even if, even if you haven't done a song before, like the more enthusiasm you show, the more the audience is going to give you back. So if you are, and, and this is a story that I remember because of how bad it was, uh, but this woman did not come up when her name was called. And this was at a bar that puts the next three mm -hmm. singers that are coming up. So she, she should have seen, she should have had time. Comes in about two performers later and they play her song. It's like an eight minute, jazz loungy type of feel song very you know sultry vocals uh lots of horn breaks and all that and she's just sitting down looking so bored on a chair like she brought the chair to sit down onto it and i was just like looking around it's like no one's really into this because i think because of how bored she looked and so i was like if you were standing up having a good time you'd, you'd get it back a lot more so or even vamping on the chair like it was like a piano that you were draped over Yes, yes. At least give oh. give some sort of interest so that we also can respond in kind. I agree with you. You should be into it. But Ed and I are notorious for sitting down when we get a chance because we'll do it to purposely walk away from the monitor. So we will do like Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang. And we will walk and sit in the front of the stage away from the monitor so they know we're not looking at the screen and go from there to add to the entertainment. So 99% of the time, I'm going to agree with you, but I'm just going to have a slight variance there. Even that, you're doing it in an entertaining way. And oh. you're, I'm sure you're having a fun time doing Rapper's Delight. Ed, Ed and I or are all, entertaining no matter what. Or while watching the last game of the 2016 World Series because I didn't want to leave the TV. That is understandable. <laughs> and what a great World Series that one was. Oh, it was. It really was. Your podcast. Good people, cool things, okay? You talk to all sorts of people. Entrepreneurs, musicians, writers, others. And you've been doing this for a while. I've had a chance to check out a couple episodes. I love some of the conversations. I love some of these people that you're talking to. I, I listened to, um, I don't think it's the newest one, but the one last week about the importance of making science more accessible and having discussions about hip hop and connecting it to schools and education and stuff like that. Loved that episode. Love these conversations you're Thank having you. with these people. A lot of people got started podcasting during the pandemic, including Ed and I, what have you learned? What advice can you pass on to people that are either just getting started or maybe want to improve their quality? Like what advice, what, what things have you learned that you can pass on to the, the people? Yeah. I think for the people considering getting started, I would say, get started. Uh, the old, you know, the old saying of perfect is the enemy of 
done. <laughs> started that I started that sentence without knowing how it ended. But you know, a lot of people fret over artwork and buying, you know, all kinds of expensive equipment. As long as you don't sound like you're in a well or you're like holding a phone or, or computer or whatever in your mouth. So it's just inaudible. Like we all, if you go back and listen to any show's first episode, it all sounds much worse than, than how it currently sounds. And you'll never know until you get into it and, and see, you know, what sounds good, what's working. So I would just say to start if you haven't. And then if you have started, if you're doing an interview type of show, listening, always a, always a good thing. I know a lot of people go in with questions and just stick to that script like it is, you know, they're holding on for dear life to it. And I have found the most entertaining conversations I know that I've done have definitely been when someone says something that I had not prepared for, and I follow that rabbit hole wherever it goes. And sometimes it doesn't go anywhere. And that's a part you maybe will edit out of your podcast because it's like a 20 minute tangent that is irrelevant to anything. And you thought it was more interesting than it was going to be. But you never know unless you go down it. And more times than not, you'll get a great gem from it. So I would say just listen and then pull, jump into, follow, whatever you want to say, the path down that, that path that it leads to. What was one of those great rabbit holes? Because now I'm very curious. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Um, I uh, interviewed someone who studies, well, he does, a, he does a weird history. His name's Mark Hartman. Very entertaining conversation. And he had gone on ghost tours. And so... Uh, he just kind of like casually mentioned that, that he, you know, he's like, oh, I'm a fan of ghost tours. So I was like, okay, well, give us some good stories. Like, have you ever seen any kind of ghosts or anything? And he didn't, uh, he, he said he had not ever seen a ghost on a tour, but there were like a couple times where he was like, that was probably a ghost, uh, which I think was good. And then he, he took that to uh, give a little educational thing about why ghosts often don't have feet. And it's because oh. we remember people you know, like if you're describing someone's clothing or something, you'd say like their shirt, their pants, you know, maybe like their hair color, eye color, but you rarely describe the shoes. Be like, oh, that's, you know, Jake wears Converse all the time. It's like, I wouldn't describe a person like that. I would, uh, you know, I'd, I'd go through the other things first. And so when we see a ghost, it's often they don't have feet and kind of just like trails off at the knees because that's, you know, how we remember that. <laughs> That is like my mind is slightly blown right now. Just but yeah. Hmm. Now I'm wondering if there's an untapped market for a karaoke night ghost tour combination. I think there has to be. Do you sing to bring the spirits out? Do you sing to keep them away? I don't know. <laughs> That's a great question, but I feel like we might need to explore. <laughs> I feel like it when it involves ghost tours and karaoke, there's always going to be a market there. So a combination <laughs> would just be brilliant. Somebody just needs to do it. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a wacky enough idea that it might have been a short story in your book. It, I, I think that's a the first chapter of the next <laughs> one. <laughs> I'm just curious, though, because I, I, I've read the majority of it now. I haven't quite finished it yet. It's quirky, and it's funny, and it's charming, and it's well-written. What is your writing philosophy? I was just really held engaged for everything that I read so far. That's a great question. Uh, I, I generally just try to write things that I that I enjoy and I think that other people would enjoy too. There were definitely a couple of stories where I was rereading it and I was like, this might be a little too niche. Like this might just be for me. Um, but I mean, that's part of the joy of creative writing. Sometimes you're only writing things that only you are going to see, but it's it's a great way to kind of maybe like get out of a writing rut or even just to explore some other areas. Like there was a story where I was kind of starting to get down like a super dark path. And I was like, mm, I don't know if that fits this. Like, so, so maybe holding on to it for, for a future installment. Uh, and I, I like to think a couple of the stories get like, maybe morbid is too strong of a word, but a little, you know, a little spooky. Uh, and somewhat macabre. Yeah. Yeah. Macabre. I like that. That's a good one. I, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, I think it, it just kind of goes back to, do I enjoy this? And, and we can even tie it into karaoke. If I'm enjoying the performance, I imagine most people would enjoy it. You're always going to have some haters out there, but I think for the most part, people enjoy when they see you enjoying something. And if that comes across in the writing and it's like, oh, it seems like he liked writing this. I, I, I think that usually leads to some good, good readers out there too that enjoy it. I think that translates into any kind of art that you do. I think people just sincerely want to be in a room 
where they see people enjoying what they're doing, whether it be, you know, a stage performance, whether it be music, you don't, I, I, it's part of the reason that I think William Hung became so pop, like, like legitimately popular. Like I have a friend who is legitimately a fan of William Hung, not like ironically or an ironic way, but like genuinely just loves him because, and I think it's because William Hung was so committed and seemed to enjoy what he was doing so much. And people resonate that resonates in a room for people. Um, that you can feel it. And your book, which is named Kind, but kind of weird short stories on life's relationships. I'm just throwing that out there because we haven't mentioned it yet. Appreciate uh, it. <laughs> um, so the question that I would have is like, so how many short stories did you write before you decided to form your collection for the book? Were the ones that didn't make the cut that maybe we'll get a B-side of someday or just needed more work? Um, at what point did you decide this is the number that I want and how many did you pull from in order to put together what you can read in the book? Yeah, I think um, I think to to start with the just overall collection, I was kind of like, at, I think I was around like 45 or 50. And I was like, I should do something with these. Like, let's let's put these together somehow. And then so, yeah, just going back through and some I had written, you know, maybe three or four years ago. And so it was going back and it was almost like rereading it for the first time because I was like, oh, I don't remember really writing this that much. And also this entire part is bad. And let me let me try and edit it real quick. And so. That was that was nice to just approach things from kind of a fresh perspective, because if you're writing something and you just are constantly rereading it, you kind of will miss some things. And I mean, I hired multiple editors for this and they definitely caught things I missed even after rereading it many times. So thankful, thankful for editors. You are all doing a great service. So so kind of narrowing it down from that and. I honestly just kind of went more for like a word count than amount of stories um, just from like a, you know, will people get sick of reading like 400,000 words? I would guess yes. I it's I, I believe the final count is right around 67,000. So it's about 230 pages, which is I feel like a good, good sizable amount for a collection and not you know, I wasn't trying to get like a Harry Potter type of crazy series going on, but who knows? Maybe the next one I'll, I'll sneak into that route. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anybody would complain if you uh, stuck into that route because what you've assembled, like I picked it up the ebook and I'm working my way through it too right now. What you've assembled is just something that's, uh, it, it's just wonderful to read. It really is. Well, thank it, you so much. It, it, it's the perfect thing to kind of pick up and just absorb on a Saturday morning when you wake up a little too early and the sun dries and you have a nice cup of coffee in your hand, you can get your day off to a beautiful, beautiful start. And that's my wholehearted endorsement of this book. Well, thank you so much. I might need to add that in the description. That's a great. Yeah, do whatever you like want Adam to. Adam says. Adam <laughs> says. It. That's Love exactly it. <laughs> it right there. So, Joey, you've been so wonderful to have on board and we've loved having this discussion with you and this conversation with you. But now we need to kind of put you through the ringer because you came on our show and now we Love need to. It hits you with our best shot. So <laughs> what this is going to be, it's going to be five quick fire with air quotes questions. Just give us the first thing that pops in your head. What I like to describe this as that you don't owe an explanation for your opinions to anybody. So express your opinions, whatever they may be, however controversial you may think they are, <laughs> just throw them out there. We want to hear them and at the end, because it's only fair. If you'd like to, you have a chance to fire away. So you can ask Ed and I any kind of question. And we solemnly swear that we will answer truthfully. <laughs> love it. Love it. Are you ready to go, Joey? I am. Let's do it. Okay. So what is the absolute best thing you've seen at a karaoke night? There was a man who said, this was when I was in Miami and he sang uh, Frank Sinatra and was like a dead ringer for Sinatra. Like he sounded very similar to him. This was at a bar where there were tables near the stage. He started walking across the tables to like serenade people. And I never saw that guy before. I never saw him after. And I like to think he just goes around from town to town and does that. He's just a traveling Sinatra. I would love to see that. Something else I would probably love to see is whatever your answer ends up being to this question. <laughs> what is the worst thing you have seen in karaoke? Oh, I'll do that from when I hosted. Uh, and I I don't want to call them out, but they are in that jewel video. And this person came up on stage and is not is not great. Often I, you know, often would like get distracted and like not sing into the microphone was usually uh, on something, whether alcohol or, or some kind of drug. So it was, it was sometimes a difficult performance to get through. And one time the uh, 
people sitting in the back, I didn't know who they were, but they were like, hey, we'll give you $20 if you turn her mic off while she's singing. And I was like, that seems kind of mean, but let's see how it goes. <laughs> this is still early days. And I, I, I was like, why not? Let's, you know, $20 is nice. <laughs> I was broke at the time. So sure, that sounds great. And they, I, <laughs> so I slid it down for a little bit and I'm like, that, that's kind of mean. Like I'll put it back up. And right when I was about to do that, one of her friends, they were like, oh, hey, the microphone's not on. And then so for most of the rest of the song, they were just like, start the song over. I need to I need to sing with the mic. And I was like, I grabbed the list that was full of like 80 people. I was like, do you see how long this list is? I was like, you've got to keep the song going. Like, you have to keep going. There's so many people waiting. I can't start it over. Also, our machine was very archaic. And it, it was actually very difficult to start songs over, especially when there was a cue all ready to go. So it was a mess on my part. It was a mess on her part. It was a mess on all of our parts. Probably the worst thing I've seen at karaoke. <laughs> that does, in fact, sound like a mess. um yeah just just a mess just yeah okay so so this may be a little tricky because you do have such an extensive history but then again this might be very clear okay so what is the one song you would love to sing a karaoke that you've just never been able to find a version of or you've never been able to find a good version of Ooh, that is very good (laughs) this is this is gonna i upset my purist uh my my punk purist but i'm a big fan of offspring they were the first group that i had ever gotten a cd of like with my own money ixnay on the ombre for my my mid-90s fans but they have uh, a song that's called the worst hangover ever and it's a ska song it's definitely you know they they have kind of devolved into goofy songs all the time i so this one is is less than peak offspring but it's just a song about, you know, having a hangover. And I feel like that's very appropriate for karaoke. And at the end, he's like, you know, I'm never going to drink again. It's like, okay, I probably never drink again. I may not ever drink again, at least not till next weekend. And I think that's a very fun outro to the song. I, I don't think a lot of people would know the song and they probably wouldn't like having a song they're not familiar with, but I think they'd appreciate the message. So it would be fun to do, but wasn't a single and I don't expect to ever find a karaoke version. <laughs> It does sound like a lot of fun. Now, imagine that somebody kidnapped your family. Oh, no. (laughs) And the only way to release them was to wow the kidnappers with a karaoke performance. What song do you choose? I will go with My Band by D12, uh, purely based off the fact that I was in a karaoke contest one time and I got second place and won $50, only losing to someone who apparently was a backup singer to Shaka Khan at one point. And so I was like, that seems like the fair order of operations there. I did my band at that, and it apparently wowed a room of, I don't know, 40 strangers uh, enough to vote me into second place. So I would hope it would do the same for the kidnappers. I want to see that performance so bad. Just just so bad right we'll now. We'll come like, out to Austin. We'll do it. That we're, <laughs> well, then I will talk about that, sure, as we plan our tour here, our karaoke tour. But here's the question. Here's our favorite question that we've tracked the data on. We're forming science. We're doing science right now because we want to know if you could magically strike one song from every karaoke playlist forever, which song would you choose? There's, uh, there's so many there's so many in my head right now. I feel like people have said this before, but Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm Ooh. sorry. No one is Freddie Mercury. And it's so long. It's such a long song. Uh, I'll give an honorable mention of Total Eclipse of the Heart because everyone does the old school version where they drop F-bombs mm-hmm. in the chorus. And I'm like, that's, I've seen that before. It's like, let, let's be more original. Like if they, even if they did another swear, I, I would enjoy that. Like just, you know, mixed up just a little, littlest bit. I also just think Total Eclipse of the Heart takes way too long to get into the like meat of the song. So if we could maybe eliminate the first verse, we can keep it. <laughs> uh, you're not going to get any arguments from myself ed do you have any qualms with those answers no i don't i did there there are no qualms there's no justifications needed <laughs> you're one that's how the game works you passed ed you did it okay and joey you did it too those are great answers they were insightful interesting stories like you picked some great songs to eliminate forever that i am definitely on board with so you aced the test that was a great quick fire round and now you have a chance to fire away so if you have any question for ed or i we saw swear to answer correctly 
Well, I'm curious what you would strike. Oh, see, no one's asked us that yet. <laughs> Ed, do you want to go? Do you have something? Do you want to just pop some? Do you want to just go on three? Well, I, I we might have. To, I no, I want us to have different answers to this. Okay, I'm not going to okay. accept. We would give the same answer, so I'll let you go first. I'll let I'll I'll grant you that. So go ahead and speak for us real quick, and I'll think of something different. My my answer to this is always picture by Kid Rock and Cheryl Crow. <laughs> You've never really seen a good version of it because it doesn't exist. It's usually by people who are too drunk, can't sing. And in all fairness, both Adam and I have been in too drunk, can't sing before. But it's always awkward. It's treated by drunken rednecks as a romantic love song when it clearly isn't. Like, <laughs> is this how you guys want to express your love to each other drunkenly at the bar tonight? Is that is this really where you're going? I have big objections to picture. <laughs> yeah, picture's objection worthy. I'm going to throw something out there that I just in general, because I don't know if I've ever heard anybody really, can I eliminate a band or do I have to narrow it down to a song? Ed? What, what are song. the rules we've set that here? Okay, 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 okay. I'm going to just completely eliminate Let It Be by the Beatles. Because here's, here's the reason why, and this is partially just because of, like, I love the Beatles. I, I think they made beautiful, brilliant music. I don't think anybody can sing like the Beatles, unless you do Yellow Submarine, or if you're if you're singing anything by Ringo. I think most people can hit those. But if you start <laughs> getting into the like when you're missing the harmonies with a lot of this stuff, and you're missing like, I, I don't know. I hear the Beatles. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody sing Let It Be Well. I don't know if I've ever heard them sing like Come Together or Yesterday or any of those. I, I don't know if I've ever heard a Beatles song outside of Ringo done well at karaoke. Um, my worst karaoke performance was a Beatles song that Ed gave me and he booed me at. Well, first of all, I, I applaud both of the selections. I don't know if I've heard Let It Be in a hot minute at karaoke, but I agree. I think generally the Beatles songs are are just like such a distinct, unique feel that it's hard to pull off at karaoke. I will argue that anything off their first two albums is fun for karaoke when it was like garage rocky okay. and upbeat. But like once they became like serious... Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I'm with Adam on that. And I'm I'm also with Adam on his disastrous across the universe. It was almost as bad as my Mr. Jones. <laughs> I am curious to dive into to those a little bit. But one other Beatles story at the bar I'd go to in Miami, there was a guy who and, and we have a very diverse karaoke repertoire, but I know a lot of people tend to stick to the same, you know, two or three that they're comfortable with. And this man always sang uh, Bullet with Butterfly Wings by Smashing Pumpkins. And despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. If if uh, anyone listening does not know the title of that song. And then one day he came in and he did Twist and Shout by the Beatles. And I was just like, this is such a hard left turn. But I, uh, you know, I, I applaud it. So and he seemed to be having more fun with that. So I was like, maybe just diversifying really, really got him uh, into a good place there. <laughs> Sometimes all you have to do on a karaoke night is just to switch up, get out of your routine, and you'll create some new memories in the entirely new environment that you didn't know you could. Joey, you've been wonderful. We've had a great time having this conversation. We're just going to turn the floor over to you. You are a hardworking person. You have a billion different things going on. Tell our listeners where they can find you, how they can support your artistic efforts. Just anything you want to talk about, the floor is yours. Oh, I love it. I, I feel like I should play some like uh, mood music underneath, but... I I mean, most of my stuff is is through joeyheld.com. That's a, a great place to find it. You can get to the podcast. You can check out the book, see some of the writing that I've done before. And I always love meeting people on Twitter at Joseph Currency. Keep it nice and simple. We do love simple. Uh, please, <laughs> please, dear listeners, go do all these things. Support this wonderful person. Thank you so, so, so very much for doing this, show. We love talking to people that are passionate about karaoke. And you are the epitome of passion about <laughs> karaoke. And I love it to death. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. This was so much fun. Oh, yeah. We enjoyed it, too. And we hope to see you singing at a screen sometime soon. Hey. Hey, you. Yeah, you. I know. I know I do this every now and then where I address you privately. But, you know, I just, I just can't help it. I just like you more than all the other listeners. Thank you in particular for tuning in. We really appreciate you. Now, do me a big favor, okay? Just, just slide into those DMs, all right? Give us some direct feedback. The best way? Email us at sungpoorly at gmail.com. 
yo, hit us up at Sung Poorly on most social media platforms. There's even a website, sungpoorly.com. Ed will tell you more about that, I'm sure, because he loves that website like we love you. Now, I'm not saying that you should leave a review or telling a friend about the show will make you a better karaoke singer, but you never know. Love you, boo. I mean, it, it, it can't hurt as far as I can tell. But also tell your karaoke-loving friends to check out our website, sungpoorly.com, where all episodes, blog posts, and merch can be found. And while you're spreading the love, send some to Ben Dumb. He gave us our theme song, Gasoline. You can find him at the Ben Dumb 3, wherever you get your music for your ear holes. All right, let's change the momentum back. Hi, everybody. I'm sorry I disappeared there for a second. It was blank right before Ed. I don't know what happened. I, I had to step away to, to talk to someone very important. But now that I'm back, you might as well make sure to tune in two weeks when we explore finding your karaoke voice and identity before talking to a comedian and impressionist that works karaoke into his stand-up. That's it. That's all. There is no more. So until next time, I'm Adam Wainwright. I'm Ed Kennard. And remember that singing off-key is still technically singing. How long is this playlist? Uh, oh, you see the lights flickering. I was talking beforehand that there is a tornado warning in the area. So we'll Go see. On. We'll see if I end up just disappearing entirely. Uh, that's sort of way more morbid than I've been for it. Too. I just meant more from the recording.